This week's badass is Jessica Kellum. It's something I was forced to learn over the last eight years. My dad passed away in 2015. He had a pretty, you know, good-sized company with like 150 employees. And um, when he passed away, <laughs> I was forced to learn about business exit planning and life insurance and uh, just all these things that nobody ever teaches you about. Um, and as a 23 year old, like things that, you know, are just so far out of the realm of like what anyone like is taught to understand, right? You aren't taught um, how to be financially free and you aren't taught like how to create generational wealth and you're not taught how to protect the assets that you do have. So they don't, you know, disappear in eight year long probate battles and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in lawyer bills and things like that. that I know was not my father's intention when he passed away. Um, and, you know, I, I had to learn a lot of that just kind of out of survival. And I think through that process, I really felt a new drive to like help protect families financially um, because I don't want another family to have to go through the same kind of battle that my family had to go through. Welcome to another episode of the Badass Women of Central Park where every time we bring you an awesome journey of a badass woman in our neighborhood. My name is Dan Clark, and it is my honor to host this podcast and get to learn from so many of you each time. It is my goal for you to see yourself as the badass you truly are. This week's badass is Jessica Kellum, who was born and raised outside Cleveland, Ohio before she moved to Colorado in 2014. She graduated from THE Ohio State University and wanted to chase her childhood dreams of becoming a mountain girl. After nearly one decade teaching special education, Jessica is now making a difference in a new, bold way. A single mom to a four-year-old living in the Central Park community, Jessica is now a finance professional serving to build and protect families and businesses' generational wealth. After her dad passed in 2015, Jessica was thrusted into adulthood, having to navigate a seven-year probate estate battle following her father's passing. Her father's print company, at one time employing over 100 full-time employees, dwindled to nothing. She is using her painful experience to educate families and businesses on personalized strategies to leave legacies they can feel proud of. This podcast is brought to you by the Mama Bird Project, where we empower and open doors for young black, Latina, and indigenous women from Montbello and surrounding communities. We do this all on Zoom by having our women have beautiful intersectional recorded conversations with your loved ones, whether it's your grandparents if you're lucky enough still to have them, your parents, a new graduate, someone who's gotten engaged. The conversations are amazing and the recordings will be something you'll look back on fondly forever. We all know we should be recording the wisdom of our elders, but we never get around to it. It's only $100, all that money goes directly to the women. It's a great cause, it's a great product. Please help us in supporting the Mama Bird Project. All right, good morning, Jessica. I'm excited to talk to you and learn from you and learn about you this morning. We do not know each other at all, but I think your story of what you've told me is fascinating. So I'm excited to learn about that. And that's really what I would like to um, start with is kind of your career. Can you talk to me about your career path? Absolutely. Um, for the last 10 years, I've worked in public education. I have taught special education in a few different districts here in Denver after moving out from Ohio. 
Um, I worked in the full spectrum of special education from you know, mild, moderate to severe and profound and different classroom settings. And um, I think as a lot of people are aware, public education has taken a lot of you know, unfortunate turns as far as the politics sort of getting in the way of what we're there for and that's the children, right? So I have stepped away from that um, within the last month actually to pursue a career full-time in finance, so. That is a hard, a hard turn. So we'll get to that turn, which I'm excited very, to Very, very hard turn, very hard <laughs> turn for sure. One thing that I'm, one thing that I um, think about though, when I think about special education uh, as an educator myself, but not in that realm, our, our special ed teachers, um, it's never the kids. I always say that too. It's never the kids that are the issue. It's the adults. And like you talk about the politics and the different things, um, special educators have to do so much paperwork and there's so much, they're, they're doing like two jobs at once. Am I getting that correct? Well, usually like four or five jobs at once. And the paperwork is definitely not the funnest part. Um, and like you said, the kids are not the reason I decided to walk away. I am a single mom and I have a four-year-old son who I want to give an amazing life to. And unfortunately, you know, working three jobs just to make ends meet wasn't it. And so I'm making the shift for my family and for a lot of other personal reasons that I'm sure we'll get into here. But yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about all the children I've worked with over the years. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I think I learn just as much from them as they did from me. So it's been a good trip. Which is another thing that, that you just made me think of that I don't think teachers give themselves credit for, or certainly society doesn't give teachers enough credit. At the start of COVID, they gave teachers a lot of credit and then, it, then it's dropped off since then again. But it's a weird profession in that people um, are very judgmental of it. The education that you receive in it doesn't seem to go as far and, and people um, look often very negatively at educators. Um, but one thing I was thinking about was you learn so much throughout the job that so many transferable skills. And I'm seeing, unfortunately, a lot of people that are leaving teaching um, forever um, and, and pursuing different careers, which also another thing that you just made me think of is that's not judged. In other career fields, that's not judged in the same way where educators get judged for leaving that because people do see the importance in it. They just don't, society doesn't appreciate it in the way. Um, with that, do you feel that you had a lot of skills that you learned being a teacher that are transferable to your current job? Absolutely. I think, it, um, you know, like you said, a lot of people go into education with the right intentions, like the heart. And the one thing about Colorado is they don't produce enough educators, right? Like the teacher training is not meeting the demand. Um, for how many educators we need here because our state has grown so quickly and there are so many school-aged children that weren't here 10 years ago. Um, they, they do bring in a lot of people with various backgrounds of training and various knowledge bases. And so it, it does become a little bit disproportional as far as like who's doing what. Um, I was very lucky. I went to Ohio State. We had a very small, highly sought after special education program. Um, There's only 24 of us that graduated in our class. Um, we had a little cohort. And I was really lucky that I had a super robust background and understanding, you know, not only the instructional side of things, but also the um, legal side, right? Because special education does have a lot of legal implications. And um, unfortunately, like just the way our public education system is set up, especially here in Colorado, there isn't 
enough resources. And with the resources we do have, they're not, they're not enough. Um, and it's kind of just like putting your arms behind your back and saying, go like, good luck, your hands are tied and you can't do all the things that you need to do, unfortunately. And um, that does land on the educators and it's, you know, Colorado is the 48th lowest spending per pupil as far as public education goes for students. And unfortunately it's kind of showing and, you know, a lot of people do migrate here for different medical reasons um, for children with special needs. So we have a disproportionately high number of kids in special education. The national average should be somewhere between seven, 11. I think we have more like 20% of kids in special education. So it's, um, it's unfortunate that, you know, we can't give every kid everything they need, but I don't think it ever comes from a place of the professionals not having the right intentions. I've worked with a lot of people, you know, who may not have as much training, but their heart was always in the right place. So yeah, it's a tricky, tricky scenario for sure. <laughs> it is so tricky, and that, which my mom went to Ohio State too. So go Buckeyes. Um, I'm sure we've got a lot of Michigan fans, which I feel Michigan's given a lot of credit for the academics, but I know Ohio State has some great programs as well. Um, and I've never been to Ohio though. So I need, I need to get there. Um, go, in, the, go in the summer, go in the summer, not between November and March. What I, what I was going to say is um, I think another thing that makes special education really difficult is you have heavy, heavy, heavy parental advocacy, especially in edu educated areas where I think that could be difficult too. Um, to navigate because you're, you know, held up to these superhuman standards while you're doing all these things and navigating those five jobs that you talked about at once. And then you also have parents who their heart is also in the right place and they're advocating for their children, but it's fiercely advocating and that can be um, so draining too. So I think it's just, it's just, it's, a, it's like you talked about, there's so many things that are, that are going on in that field. Um, and another thing that I said too is I think especially the younger generations are certainly looking into multiple careers throughout their life. And I feel that in education, that's another thing that's not respected is as far as moving on or moving into different spaces. Um, was it hard for you to make the decision um, to leave this, not necessarily from even a financial or restarting perspective, but just from like people judging you or your friends or your community? Was that a difficult part of, of making that change? A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like grieving a loss, right? Like, um, not only has this career provided me like a huge part of my identity and like my stability and my confidence as like an adult in a career, um, like there is a lot of guilt and shame around like, oh, you're leaving the children. Oh, like, and at the end of the day, I think like educators so often put other people before themselves and you know, we can't fill from an empty cup, like they say, right? So, I mean, yes, it was an extremely difficult decision. Um, There's a handful of events that, you know, unfolded over the last year and a half that really made the decision a lot easier, but it was, it was a slow, gradual process for me. I really did not, I wasn't comfortable with the idea of leaving, right? Because it's almost like a defeat, like, oh, I, I couldn't do it. I could, I was really good at it. It just, um, it, it's it's a hard thing to make that shift for sure so yeah yeah I, I um I'm sure it was and I think that you're again one of the previous interviews I've done we were talking about um failures and how failures are such great learning experiences and and not defining failures like I mean the, the word failure is just so so harsh in general and so certainly you didn't 
fail in this career, but like looking at something that didn't go necessarily the way you plan or how, even how you thought. I always think of everything like per, permanent, uh, permanently, like career stuff. I'm going to be in this job and can I do this forever? And my career has not worked out that way in any way. And every step I've learned so much. And, and especially when you're changing career and using new parts of your brain that you haven't used and having to create new networks and all these things and those challenges make you such a better person. And another thing that I learned when I moved to Colorado over 10 years ago was you could always move back. Like you can, you can go back and education is a thing where you could go back in education if you wanted to. So trying some, something else is not um, a negative. And if you do go back to education, you'll be a better educator for what you've learned in the process. Just like you'll be better at whatever you've done now. Um, is that something kind of knowing that it is a field where they need people? Did that help you make that leap? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going anywhere, right? Like they're, they're always gonna need people for sure. Um, the there was just you know a handful of signs and synchronicities and things that were kind of nudging me out for a long time and I resisted like I fought I fought it and I knew it's been misaligned for a, a while now um and then things just kept happening um I've lost a few students over the last few years and I think especially within special education when you're with children for multiple years and you really get to know their families and they become like a very close part of your community and those relationships are deep. And um, those losses like impacted me in ways that, you know, did impact me emotionally to the point where like, it, I had I had to step away. I had to, you know, leave to take care of myself and pursue a different path. And, um, you know, luckily I'm being very kind of guided on this, you know, journey of life. And um, yeah, it's not going anywhere. I'll always be there. The knowledge I have isn't, you know, going away. And there's so many skills that I've learned as an educator that, you know, not only like time management and relationship development and like mediation skills and everything else that um, it, I think is absolutely serving me in my new career in finance, but it, it could also serve anyone in any career. I think Israel does it right. Like all their, everyone, when they turn 18 has to go into a service and, you know, a lot of them pursue teaching for those service years. And I think it's something that everyone would benefit from because yeah, it is throwing you in the trenches and you are having to get down and dirty and, you know, learn 9 million things at once. And it's not calm and it's not easy, but if you can survive under that, like you can do any career really. So, and I, I've, um, when I was kind of in the process of interviewing for the position I'm in now, they were like, we have this really disproportionately high number of educators that just do really well when they come into this career. And I think it is because of all those skills that, you know, you know, those soft skills, not necessarily the things that you learn in college, but like just what you have to do to survive and um, just understand people as a whole. So take me, yeah. take, take, take me through your mindset. You, you decide that you are going to be leaving education. So many people I know who left education will be in peripheral jobs in ed education. So outside of the classroom, but interacting with schools in some different ways because that's where their resume has taken them. Um, training, I know corporate training is another area where a lot of teachers go into. Um, you're going to finance. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about that. Tell me about that journey. Yeah, so that was, um, you know, unfortunately, kind of something I was forced to learn over the last eight years. My dad passed away in 2015. He had a pretty, you know, good-sized company with like 150 employees and um, when he passed away, <laughs> I was forced to learn about business exit planning and life insurance and 
just all these things that nobody ever teaches you about. Um, and as a 23 year old, like things that, you know, are just so far out of the realm of like what anyone like is taught to understand because, you know, our public education system, which, you know, I was, went to public schools, they don't teach you about any of this stuff, right? You aren't taught um, how to be financially free and you aren't taught like how to create generational wealth and you're not taught how to protect the assets that you do have. So they don't, you know, disappear in eight year long probate battles and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in lawyer bills and things like that, that I know was not my father's intention when he passed away. Um, and, you know, I, I had to learn a lot of that just kind of out of survival. And I think through that process, I really felt a new drive to like help protect families financially. Um, because I don't want another family to have to go through the same kind of battle that my family had to go through. And, um, you know, there's a lot of nuance to it, right? And the financial industry is very fragmented, just like healthcare or just like education, really. Um, you think you know one thing, but when these pieces aren't all lined up perfectly, um, it, can, it can have pretty catastrophic outcomes. Like, you know, in this case, millions of dollars, like it, in an estate, like turned into absolutely nothing. And that's no legacy that any family wants to leave their children in. And um, I think it's, it's a new purpose for me. It's a new passion. It's a new fire. And in, this, in some regards, it's still educating people, right? Like, yeah, there are products and services that we offer that like, sure, people make money on. However, like for me, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. And I would just love to share that knowledge and supporting other families and regaining that type of freedom in their lives. I did an internship when I was in college in the financial industry and for a financial advisor. And one of the books that uh, my mentor had me read was, um, I still remember this quote, not specifically, but paraphrasing it, that we really, as a society, respect doctors and, and so much in what they're doing and um, saving lives in all these ways. But, and this probably is an unfortunate thing, but money in our society is, you know, health and, and all these different things. And you're like doing good things with your money and making sure you have money gives you freedom in all these different areas. And so financial planning is imperative. And um, as I'm saying this out loud, something I'm not doing well enough. And so with that though, you're, you're, um, you're really creating health in different ways for families. Um, so it is a, a really important job. And I don't know if people necessarily think of it that way at first glance. Well, and I think it's also a very taboo thing, right? Like nobody wants to talk about money. Nobody wants to talk about, I mean, it's uncomfortable. And uh, the reality is like, you can ignore it, but it's not, it's not going to go away and financial wellness and like the stress that money can cause people can impact your health. It can impact your overall well-being. Like, you know, my dad's business had a really ugly couple of years in 2008 and 2009. And, you know, that's right when I was going into college and, um, I, I truly believe like in my heart of hearts that like that financial stress, like made him ill. Like he, he passed away from cancer, but like, had he not undergone that type of financial stress, like, I, I don't, I, he might still be here to tell his story and it might be a totally different story, but then I wouldn't have this newfound purpose and this new passion and this, you know, new fire to share. But I think it, it impacts all aspects of our lives. And the fact that it's such a taboo thing to talk about, it's really unfortunate because if you learn to play the money game the right way, there's a lot of power in it and you can do so much more for others when you're in a 
secure place financially because that trickles into all other areas of wellness, physical, mental, like emotional, spiritual. Like if that money block is there, like everything else isn't going to work the way you want it to. So I think as a society, right? Like it's just one of those things that we need to be more open to exploring and like understanding where about because sure, like you might understand like Bitcoin or you might understand like this one little niche, but the cool thing about finances, it I'm never gonna stop learning because it it it's so expansive and it's so like deep in so many areas that it's you know, nobody can ever know it all related to finance. And I, I don't think I ever will, but you know what I don't know, I I'm surrounded by, you know, a ton of professionals who do know. So it's use, utilizing those resources just like within special education. I might have been a case manager for a student, but I didn't know how to meet their occupational therapy needs because I'm not an occupational therapist. So what do I do? I go and I find the professional that, you know, can support those areas that I'm not necessarily well-versed in to support those needs. So there's just another, you know, way that that transfers. But I think it's, it's really unfortunate. And especially with the way our economy is today, like, yeah, people are like, oh, the stock market's down. We're all doomed. They're going to have to work forever. Okay. Yes. Like our stock market, is down like historically these cycles repeat themselves but there are also a million things that you can do to protect yourself so you don't have to pull out of your 401k when the market is down and you're like oh okay well hold on what like what are those things and those are the pieces and the areas that aren't spoken about because you think you have a job with benefits and you're all set and ready to go and that's unfortunately just not always the case like employers do the best they can with what they have but you also have to take your own financial wellness into your own hands beyond, you know, what you're offered in a workplace. And I think that's just not often discussed as a need, but it is. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, uh, so, so, so true. And all these things, um, your story about your father, um, is powerful to me. Um, and I've never experienced anything like that. I just, I, I think you're exactly right. I think stress can lead to health issues in so many different ways and we don't prioritize our health and especially if you're running a big company like that and having all those employees and you're taking on the stress of employing so many people all those things can be um so stressful and, and so much you don't you don't figure out these things until you go through them and you learn by doing in so many ways and having to to be forced into a situation like yours is is tough i think one way you do learn so well is through your kids um you said you're a mother what what has not that they they've taught you in a literal sense but just making sure you're taking care of someone else. What has that taught you? How does that kind of really change the way you look at things when, when you became a mom? I mean, it, it changed absolutely everything, right? Like uh, before I became a mom, like I didn't care what my credit card balances were, or, you know, how much I was putting in my 401k or any of those other things, because as long as I like got to go up skiing in the mountains and go on the trips I wanted to, it was all cool. Right. Um, I think children are just such a powerful motivator for self-development. Like I know since I became a mom, like I have become a better person. I have, you know, living for something outside yourself is more powerful than anything. And I know you said you're a parent too, so you can understand. Um, and I, I just want to be able to provide my son. And I'm sure every parent wants to provide their kid with more than what they had. Right. And you know, I was very fortunate and very blessed and very privileged with the life I had growing up, but I want to be able to give my kid all the things I had. And then, you know, so he can, you know, have all the same experiences and take them and 
find what makes him happy and brings him joy. So I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things financially that you have to think about when you become a parent that um, go way beyond, right, retirement planning and everything else. But like, if I were to get sick tomorrow and lose my income, what would happen to my kid, right? So, and uh, those are the uncomfortable conversations that do need to happen when you're working with the financial professional. However, like better to know that worst case scenario is protected. So if it does happen, it's not a stress, right? And, you know, through my training with this new job, I heard, I've heard tens of, you know, dozens of stories where families like, you had two parents who were doctors and, you know, like some catastrophic accident happened and it changes everything. And you don't want like something as menial as like, you know, an injury or an illness to impact the outcome of your life. And so when you really start to like, look at those compounding numbers and like, okay, if I were to get sick or get injured or not be able to work for a certain number of years, what would that do to my life? And it, it can be extremely catastrophic. And, you know, eight times out of 10, um, disability insurance claims are from illness. They're not from an accident or an injury, right? So like, what can you do to protect yourself and your kids and your family and make sure that if something does happen, like you're, you're all gonna be okay. Cause those tools and resources exist. And, you know, just exploring them and knowing that they are out there is, it's comforting, right? Like, it, it's nice to know that it, it, you can be protected if something were to happen. So, and I would have never thought about that. Like, that's, that's never been a thought in my mind, like, until going through all this training and like, you know, my dad died, right? Like, that's a very like definitive thing. Like, everyone's going to die at some point, but like, there's also a lot of people who are going to get sick and injured within their working years who aren't going to be able to consistently claim their income the way that they think and you know how can we protect that too and the peace of mind that comes with that too i feel is something that that is interesting and i think about that life insurance and, and things like that that are kind of hard sells because it's a dark topic and when you talk about people not talking about money i think that's so much an american thing too americans don't talk about money my wife who's from poland will ask people what like how much money they make and I've now learned that that's really an equity thing, which is great if people all shared their, their incomes with in America, it's very taboo. And I guess Zillow has opened up house values and things like that to a degree that they weren't at previously. Um, but the death at which you talked about, we're all going to die and, and we don't talk about that or, or share that. And, and uh, not getting, being healthy too is something that I certainly don't think about as something as, as someone who is able-bodied and healthy currently um probably enough or to plan for outside of those um so when you're going through all these programs which are a really wide range do you see yourself kind of narrowing in in this industry is it something where they want you to to be um focused on certain areas do you get to choose that how does that work as far as kind of with your career which way it's heading and, and like what you're actually going to be focusing on yeah i think there's there's two areas that um I would love to focus in more on. And, you know, one is the business exit planning side of things, because that's something that um, I feel very passionate about. Like if you create a business and you create wealth and you move on and retire and um, like you want to be able to leave that legacy and know that those things are secure and that you're walking away with things in the right places and um, there's a lot of nuance to that, right? So that's nothing that's going to like be my area of expertise tomorrow, but I think that's more of a long-term goal for me. Um, and it's something that the company I work with now does 
um, very well. And I would also really love to support families with kids with special needs, because I think that's a whole different area um, of finance that, you know, isn't necessarily talked about because it's not like all these children are going to walk away when they're 18 and be able to sustain for themselves. So um, again, very nuanced, very in-depth area that I am like actively pursuing learning more about, but um, I, those are the areas I would really love to focus on long-term, but, you know, right now I'm just barely skimming the waters and starting to understand it all. So um, lucky to have an awesome team of people backing me up that, you know, know a lot more about those specifics, but yeah, those would be my two goals within the financial industry, those two areas. With education, I always felt that it was really valuable that I had come from a different profession into education. I worked in industry and business for about 10 years um, before teaching, but then I also always got to teach, I feel, um, subjects that were the students were more into. I got to teach, I was teaching film um, where I had students for multiple years, like you talked about, which is amazing. So I could build relationships and I had lost a couple students as well, which is, which, yeah, is just, uh, you don't even, can't even fathom that. Um, and then I also um, taught business. And, and so that, I think that's something that students are more interested in. Um, but I was so happy because I saw people who went into education, which it sounded like you did right away and didn't have the different life experience, a different career experience and know how other things were done, that there were tough parts of other jobs. And I see that with your career path too, that when you're running up against these tough paths in your new career, that you're looking back at this time and saying, like, this is nothing. You know, what I dealt with at this other job was, was difficult in this ways and it's different. Are you seeing that in yourself too? Is that reassuring to you that with your new career path that you're also looking back and knowing you can handle it because of what you've handled previously? Yeah, I mean, I always tell parents of my students, like the number one indicator of success is resilience, right? If you fall down, you can get back up. And I think um, that's often something that I celebrated with a lot of the kids that I worked with. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have to embody that, right? Like I can't teach it if I don't embody it. And I think challenges are what help us to grow. And we don't always see the why while it's happening, but if you can reflect back and be like, wow, this is actually what that opportunity provided for me because, you know, it's, I, yeah, I'm going to hear a lot of no's. I get that. Like, <laughs> that's okay. But um, I think if you go into things with the right intentions and bad things happen, like the universe is going to take care of you. It's all going to work out. And um, I, I'm really grateful that I was kind of raised with that mindset and raised with that like deep understanding and belief and not necessarily in like a religious way, but just to know, like, have faith. It's all going to work out. Karma's going to take care of it. Like, um, it's kind of, you know, what's sort of been my stable ground through everything. And I'm going to continue to pursue that and embody that because, you know, resilience is key, no matter what industry you're in. And unfortunately, I think there's not enough of that being taught in our kids today. It's like, <laughs> so you know, it's, it might be tough love. It might be like hard parenting, but you know, it's like, we got to take the bad things as we come and, you know, understand that these are all really lessons and blessings in disguise and it's going to be all right. With this podcast, I just learned so much each week um, from people when I, when I talk to them and there's just so many amazing people in this world. And, and I'm sure that's part of your business too, is connecting with people um, on a relationship level and you're building these relationships with them in this. Um, and I always say too, with sales, if you're selling something that you're really believing in, um, then you're really doing the people a service if, they, if they're working with you in that capacity, or even if you're just moving forward on working with somebody in that capacity. Um, had you done anything like that previously where you're 
you know, selling yourself and teaching is not necessarily in that way or, or selling a product in that capacity. How, how are you doing with that part of things? So like I'd mentioned earlier, my dad was a business owner um, and I used to like go in late to school every Fridays and drive around town with him and drop off bagels to all of his clients. And, you know, I was just such a like daddy's little girl. Like I would go everywhere with him to all these business meetings and like sit in the back and, you know, I, I understand the the mindset. I understand like the demeanor and the rapport and the relationship building. And, you know, that was obviously a time where like there wasn't social media and it wasn't like, it was very like feet on the ground, connect with people, you know, bring them to do things like building those relationships. And I think that's why he had so much success was because he had like this extensive community of people that like he genuinely cared about and that genuinely cared about him. Like he had like over 300 people at his celebration of life. And like, you know, a lot of them I knew, but most of them I didn't. And um, I think building the relationships, and that's one of the reasons I'm with the company I am, um, is the foundation of like successful business, right? Like anybody can post an ad online and have somebody like fill out their little form and send them their free thing and call it a day. But for me, like, you know, connecting with people is what like fills my cup. And that's like what is valuable to me and I'm looking forward to developing more of those relationships but yeah it's it's definitely a a fresh thing and it's new and you know I I've I've continued to develop those skills through teaching and having that community within education and I'm excited to do it in a different capacity now. Uh, as we're coming close to our end here I wanted to ask you um, do you see yourself as the badass you are do you see yourself as a badass? Um. I have been told like on multiple occasions and it's an ongoing joke with a lot of my friends that my life is going to be a Netflix series someday. Um, I think that implies that I'm a little bit badass. So I, um, it's never dull. It's always a really good story. So if you want some good stories and you want to feel really good about where your life is, I have plenty of stories to share because it has been a wild ride. And it will be a Netflix series someday with a lot of seasons because it's been a lot of good stories, um, plot twists everywhere. So yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to embody the badassery that I've kind of been forced to, to develop. So yeah, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> uh, before I make you say you're a badass, which I know ending the, the shows with, I wanted to just get your input now as you've had these whining turns and, and your tragedy with your father and all these things you've had to deal with. Um, what do you, as your son is at a young age, what kind of um, things do you want to pass on to him besides the financial part? Um, what, what other things do you want him to, to grow up um, knowing, believing in those kind of things like, I don't know, principles or just general um, life lessons that you would, you really want to work on passing on? God, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think everyone that we encounter in a daily basis is, you know, put in our path for a reason and to treat everyone with kindness and respect because, you know, you never know what other people's stories are and you can make assumptions all day long. You know, what's the the four agreements, right? Never make assumptions, but, um, I, you know, I, I really just want to develop him to be resilient and to be kind and to know that 
he can do anything he wants. He can't do everything, although he does want to at the age four, um, he can do anything. And I think, you know, staying in a career that wasn't fulfilling me any longer, like that wasn't embodying that, that wasn't showing him that you can't do anything. And is it a risk to leave education? Hell yeah. Like is my financial like income unknown? Yeah, right now it is. But at the end of the day, like just having trust and having faith and believing that you can do anything. Like I want to do that and show him that. And so he'll grow up and believe the same. So. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, okay. Closing us out here. I want you to own, own, own your badassness. So can you close us out by saying your name? I am Jessica Kellum and I'm a badass. I am Jessica Kellum and I am a badass. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Please go to iTunes or whatever provider you're listening on and give us a rating so we can do more of this important work. Please keep sending me suggestions of people we should interview on this show. And finally, and most importantly, please always remember that you, yes you, are a badass.